Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day and all that it means. And God, right now, we just fix our attention on you. And God, we just ask that you would speak to each and every one of us personally. God, we're here to meet with you, to hear from you. We open our hearts wide to you. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you know, for Gary and I, pastoring the Bridge Church is one of the greatest joys of our life. But for me personally, within that, one of the greatest joys of my life is leading the women's ministry here at the Bridge because I get the opportunity to connect with so many different women at different ages and stages of life. And that means that I get the opportunity to connect with so many different moms at all different stages of motherhood. And I've had the joy of being able to walk alongside women and moms during different things that you've walked through. I've had the joy of hearing so many of your stories of things that you've been through, things that you're going through. And I'm so grateful for that. I count it an honor. But one thing, after talking to so many moms and hearing so many stories, there's one thing I know for sure that is universal for all moms. And that is that motherhood is definitely not picture perfect. It is not always neat and tidy, right? It is wonderful. However, at times it's messy. It's usually exhausting, right moms? Sometimes it's in fact quite difficult and very often you face situations that you have no idea how to handle. Moms, would anyone agree with that? Is that an accurate statement? All right. <clears throat> but although motherhood is not picture perfect, it is interesting to me that most moms strive really hard to be the picture perfect mom. Sometimes they're worried that they haven't been the picture-perfect mom. They try to juggle all the balls and carry everything in and of themselves, trying so hard to be the perfect mom. But I want to tell you today that Jesus is the only perfect one. Life is not perfect. People are not perfect. And God never intended motherhood to be this weight and this burden upon you of perfectionism, of striving and trying to do it all on your own. But you know, that's not just true for moms. That's true for all of us. Men, women, young, old, that's true for all of us. Sometimes we put unnecessary pressure on ourselves and think that God is demanding perfectionism from us when, you know what, that is really not at all what he is looking for. And today, we are going to look at the life of a mom in the Bible and see from her life the simplicity of what it is that God is looking for from us. And we're going to look at a mom whose motherhood experience was not exactly ideal. It was far from perfect. 
But the things that she did in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of messy situations, are things that we can all, every single one of us, learn from today, okay? So we are going to look at this mom that we find her story in Exodus chapter 2. You can turn there if you want. We're going to have verses on the screens also. But we're going to see a mom who gave birth to a child at a very difficult time in history. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you thought, man, today has got to be the hardest time ever to be raising children. Well, in her day, there were some pretty difficult circumstances. You see, this was a time when the king of Egypt had demanded that every Hebrew baby boy born should immediately be put to death. The Hebrew people were living in Egypt and they were growing in population and the Egyptians were becoming threatened by them. So the king of Egypt said, we've got to put an end to this. And so he demanded that every male baby would be put to death. He ordered the midwives. As soon as they delivered baby boys from the Hebrew people, they needed to be thrown into the river and killed. So that's the backdrop. That's the storyline, what's happening as we look at the life of this mom who is the mother of Moses. And so in Exodus 2, verse 1, it starts out and says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived. Let's just pause right there. She conceived. She became pregnant. Can you imagine finding out that you're pregnant at this time in history when you know that if you have a boy, he's going to be ripped away from you and put to death? Wow, what a scary time. Imagine what had to be going on in her heart. And there's no ultrasounds. There's no way of knowing what she's having. Nine months of absolute turmoil in her heart not knowing what is going to happen when she gives birth to this baby. And then the verse continues and says, and she bore a son. Okay, now pause there again. Stop and imagine the overflow of emotions that she must have had when she heard the words, it's a boy. Can you imagine? Like I just had this baby, this healthy, beautiful baby, and now what's going to happen? Are they going to rip him away and throw him into the river? What's going to happen right now? But fortunately, the midwives didn't all follow the law because they were Hebrew, and they feared God more than they feared the Pharaoh who put the law into place. And then it continues, and it says, And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, which literally means a healthy child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. Now, how many of you know you can only hide a baby for so long? She hid the baby for three months. That's pretty miraculous right there. Babies get a little loud. Babies grow, right? You can only hide a baby for so long. But she did the only things she knew to do. First, she hid the baby as long as she could. And then she built this little 
ark for him. And you know, a lot of places today when you, where you buy bassinets and, and things for newborns, you'll see these cute little baskets with the little dome over the head, and they still call them today Moses baskets. I have a feeling this original Moses basket wasn't quite as adorable as the ones we see in stores today. She made it out of the reeds that surrounded the riverbank, and she took those and put them together and then sealed it on the inside so that it would be waterproof. And then she put her baby in it. Can you imagine the questions that had to have been running through her mind? Is it going to leak? Is it going to sink? Who's going to find him? What's going to happen to him? I mean, imagine what had to be going on in her mind and in her heart. Imagine letting go of your three-month-old baby as you put him on that little ark into the river. And we're not talking some little stream here. This is the Nile River, a rushing river, second largest river in the world. Imagine the fear and the anguish that may have tried to grip her heart as she let go of her baby. But she knew that she had done everything she could do. She did her best to protect him. She hid him and she built the ark for him. She did all she knew to protect her son. Parents, it comes instinctively to protect your children, doesn't it? When they're little and you're going to cross the street, you grab their hand, right? When they're small and there's a hot stove, you keep them away from the stove, right? There are some things that come instinctively, but then there are other things that we don't always see coming. There are some things that we miss. And there are some things that we just don't know how to protect them from. And there are some things beyond our control. And today, maybe you find yourself facing situations beyond your control, just like this mom did. You know, there comes a time when we, as humans, can only do so much. You can only do so much to protect your kids. And then there comes a time when you have to let go, right? I hear so many moms tell me the stories of the first day of school. When they took their little one, maybe it was preschool, maybe kindergarten, and they went to drop them off for that first day of school. And I hear moms telling the stories of they stood there crying and crying while the kid's like, bye mom, see you later. At least that usually happens with the first one. Then, you know, the third, fourth one, you don't do that anymore. (laughs) Or maybe you've experienced letting go of your child as they've gone off to college. I'll never forget, after I graduated from high school in Michigan, where I grew up, and leaving to go to Dallas to go to Bible school, and my parents took me to the airport, and it was back in the day when you could take someone to the gate and watch the plane take off, remember? Some of you might remember those days. And I'll never forget my mom, as I was about to board the plane, just standing there with tears streaming down her face, how difficult it was for her to let me go, to say goodbye. 
Or maybe for some of you, you're at a, a different stage of life a little further on. Maybe some of you, you've had to let go and say goodbye to your child as they load up the moving van with a family of their own to move out of state for different opportunities that they may have. There are all different ways and different times in life that parents have to let go of their children. But it's not usually at three months of age. Can you imagine the thoughts of fear, the feelings of anguish that may have tried to grip this mother? But in the midst of the wicked laws of the day, of the uncertainty, of the heartache, she protected and cared for her baby boy the best she knew how. And the first thing I want us to learn from this mom today is she did what she knew to do. Can I tell you, you're not going to know how to do everything. None of us are. We're not going to know how to fix everything. But that's okay. We simply need to do what we know to do. Because the second thing that we're going to learn from this brave mom is that she trusted God to do what she couldn't do. We do what we can do, and then we trust God to do the rest. You see, this mom, she was a Hebrew woman. She knew and she followed the ways of God. And when she put her baby boy into that river, she wasn't just sending him out into the world. Well, whatever happens, happens. Oh, no. When she let go, she was releasing her baby into God's hands. And as she did, the Bible tells us that the baby's older sister, Miriam, stood afar off to watch what would happen. You see, the Hebrew people in Egypt, they were slaves to the Egyptians. And so Miriam, the baby's sister, was a servant to Pharaoh's daughter. So listen to what happens next, starting in verse 5. It says, Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then the baby's sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Guess who she had in mind? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called for the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and he the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. This mama released her baby into God's hands, and God orchestrated circumstances beyond what she could have ever imagined. God put that baby back into her hands for her to care for and nurse in those most early formative years of his life. And in that day, children were not weaned until 
three to five years of age, a little different than today, and I guarantee you that mama nursed him as long as she could. And during that time, I am confident that she poured into him the ways of God. And she prayed over him, and she instilled in him his Hebrew heritage. You see, God not only protected this baby, but God orchestrated events and the details better than this mom ever could have imagined. We can trust God to do what we cannot do. She did all she knew to do, and God did what she could not do. I want to tell you today, do what you know to do. Simply do what you know to do. Trust God to do what you can't, and he will work in ways beyond what you can even imagine. The story could end right there, and we'd be encouraged, and that's awesome. But guess what? There's so much more to the story. There's so much more that God did. You see, Moses, he never forgot his Hebrew heritage. And when he was grown, he came across an Egyptian man beating a Hebrew man. Now, mind you that Moses, once he was returned to Pharaoh's daughter, he grew up in the palace. He grew up as an Egyptian. He had all the rights to everything he wanted as an Egyptian. But when he saw this Egyptian man beating this Hebrew man, he identified more with the Hebrew man. He never forgot his heritage. He knew that's who he was. And it infuriated him to see this Egyptian beating on his Hebrew brother. So he looks around. Is anyone looking? And he goes and he kills the Egyptian man and he buries him. Rescuing his Hebrew brother, thinking that no one has seen what has happened. And then the next day he goes out and he sees two Hebrew men fighting. And so he's watching and he looks to see which one's the aggressor. And then he says to him, what are you doing? You're Hebrew brothers. Why are you hitting your brother? And the man turned to Moses And he said, who do you think you are? Are you our judge? Are you going to kill me just like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? (gasps) Can you imagine? Moses thought nobody saw. I think that just sucked the breath right out of him for a moment. He had to have stopped and had fear grip him in that moment. (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, no. Nobody saw. Oh, now obviously somebody saw. And not only did somebody see but word had made its way to Pharaoh. And he was after Moses. And he wanted to kill Moses. And Moses, his, his life was sought after. He had made a mess of things. He had done something he knew he should not have done. And he didn't know what to do now. So he hit the road. And he ran off in hiding to a place called Midian. And he hid out in Midian. He was a fugitive on the run. And he settled in Midian, and he met his wife, and he started his own family there in Midian. But the whole time, he was living as a fugitive on the run, carrying the baggage of his past. Now, we don't know if his mother and his family had any idea where he was. It may have put them in jeopardy to know where he was. So he may not have told them, we don't know. 
But I am sure that a day did not pass that that mother did not think about and pray for her son. Imagine her heartbreak. Imagine what she was feeling and going through knowing that her son was a fugitive, spending his life in hiding. He's carrying baggage and shame. He's unable to return to his homeland, to his family for fear of being killed. Now, I want you to understand the time frame here in this story because Moses was in Egypt for 40 years. And when he ran off to Midian, he was 40 years old. And then he was there in Midian for another 40 years. And after 40 years in Midian, Moses has this radical encounter with God at the burning bush where God reveals himself to Moses and Moses' life is never the same from that point on. You see, God had a huge assignment for Moses. And we know that Moses was still carrying the baggage of the past because he said, who, me? What, you have purpose for me? No, 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 you got the wrong guy. This is me we're talking about. Remember what I've done? And through a series of conversations and arguing on Moses' part with God, Moses finally agrees and accepts the assignment that God has for him. And he returns to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt and lead them to the promised land. Moses returned to the land of his family. He was reunited with his family after 40 years. His brother Aaron and his sister Miriam became very instrumental in the assignment that God had for his life. He was mightily used by God. He became a leader of the Israelites. He was a prophet. He led the Exodus. He rescued his Hebrew people from slavery. God used Moses to part the Red Sea to bring the people across onto dry land. It was Moses on the mountain that God gave the Ten Commandments to. Moses became one of, if not the greatest figure of the Old Testament. God not only brought this fugitive of 40 years home, he did miraculous things through his life. Now, I want to tell you this morning, God is the God of the miraculous. He wants to do the miraculous. Only God could have worked such a miracle out of Moses' life. But it all started with his mama, that mother who entrusted him into God's hands, who prayed for him, that opened the door and paved the way for God to do the miraculous in Moses' life. Now, there's two things I want us to, to notice quickly about this. Because throughout this story, we never hear his mother's name. We never see her name except later in Scripture in two places where genealogy is listed. We discover that her name is Jacobed. You know... I hear moms say that sometimes they feel insignificant. Sometimes they feel like a nameless face in a crowd. Sometimes they feel like just being a mom isn't anything extraordinary in life. I want to tell you today, being a mom is extraordinary. Listen to what happened. Over a thousand years later, 
when the book of Hebrews was written, chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews, that chapter that we in church refer to as Faith's Hall of Fame, where all the heroes of faith are listed, this nameless mama was recognized for her faith and trust in God. It says that the parents of Moses had great faith because they hid him as a baby and kept him from being killed because they trusted God more than they feared the king. Don't ever think you are insignificant for a moment. When you trust God, you become extraordinary. Moms, when you trust God with your children, you become extraordinary. You become a great hero of faith. And another thing I want us to notice is we don't know if Jochebed was still alive when Moses returned and was reunited with his siblings. We don't know if she was alive or not. She may have been, but surely she didn't live to see all that God did through Moses' life. And I want you to know today that your trust in God and your prayers will always outlive you. A lifestyle of trusting God with your family, praying for your family, will leave a legacy far greater than you will ever know. It will always outlive you. Motherhood may not be picture perfect. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's beyond difficult. But God never, ever intended for you to do it alone. Do what you know to do. Trust God to do what you can't do. And he will do the miraculous. When I was pregnant with my baby girl, she was diagnosed with a birth defect called spina bifida. And they told me that she wouldn't walk, she would have physical problems, that she would even have brain damage. They actually told me to abort her. It would be better off for her if I just aborted her. But of course, I knew she was my blessing, that she was everything that I would ever hope for. I knew my God would do that for us. But at that moment, I, I, I had this realization that things are going to happen to my kids that I have no control over. You know, I was so fortunate to have a godly mother. She was a woman who loved the Lord and a woman who taught me to love the Lord. And so when I became a mother, I looked forward to being that godly mother as my mother was. So I took her to church and I put her in private Christian school and I, I prayed with her. I read the Bible to her. Because of the divorce, it was decided that she would move and live with her father around the age of 10. And that caused a separation between me and my daughter. As time went on, I could see the change in my daughter, the different direction she was taking. And it was like Ezekiel 37. She was like a valley of dry bones. It was dead and cold when I would see her. But I wanted more for her, and I believe the Lord could give her more. There was one time I seek a Christian counselor. I said, what should I do? What direction should I go for my daughter? And he told me it was hopeless. I could either go and lose it and fall apart, or I could just 
have faith and take action and do what I could. And so that's what we did. My husband and I found a clinical trial to try to help give our daughter a better life. And um, through God's will and great anointing on our journey, we um, were part of this clinical trial that was, it, frankly, it was, it was considered dangerous. Some doctors told us that it wouldn't work. Um, and yet we still had this faith that this is where we needed to be. I found out later that she went through rape, bad relationships, gang-related situations, everything that I was taught that shouldn't happen. But because of my upbringing, because I believe in the Lord, I knew it wasn't hopeless. We had randomized and became a part of the trial, and we had surgery. And uh, when I was six months pregnant, they took and did spinal surgery on my little tiny six-month-old baby and it was very hard but it was like seeing that light at the end of the tunnel I knew where I was going and so we made it and I gave birth to this beautiful baby and she was just perfect she she just gave me he gave me everything with her so uh, uh, years went by actually 30 years went by about two years ago she ended up in jail so I had one visit with her, and I struggled to go because I didn't want to see her in that environment. I didn't want to believe that for her. As I was leaving the jail, I was told that most people in her situation would never recover. And I remember saying out loud, that is a lie from the pit. My daughter will recover. She stayed in jail for about six months, and when she came out, she decided to come and live with me, and I am so proud of her. She has turned her life around. She loves the Lord. She comes here to the bridge every week. She serves here at the bridge. We live together, we cook together, we talk together, we pray together. It's amazing what God can do. Never give up. Never give up on God's promises. Our life, our journey has been a message from him that she is his daughter and that I don't have to be her everything because he is. And so as a mom, I, I love taking care of her and doing what I can and being there for her. But then I'm so comforted knowing that, that he is everything for her and he will take care of her. And in our life and our journey so far, he has done such a wonderful job of just loving and blessing our entire family. Wow. God is amazing, and there is nothing too big, nothing too difficult for him. And no matter what you are facing today, do not ever, ever give up, because God is faithful, and he will do the miraculous in our lives, in our families, when we trust him. You know... I know in my life personally, I never imagined that I would not have biological children of my own. But my life faced circumstances beyond my control. But I trusted God with my life. And He brought 
a wonderful husband into my life with two sons for me to love with all my heart, to love and to pray for more than they have any idea. And as they've gotten married, he's brought into my life two daughters to love dearly and absolutely adore. And now he's brought two grandchildren and a third due in just a couple of weeks. And I stand here today to tell you that when we trust God, he will do more than we can ever imagine. He is faithful. He's the God of the miraculous, and he wants to do the miraculous in all of our lives, and he will when we trust him. Don't give up. Keep trusting God. I want to pray for you this morning, and I want to pray for every person in this place, but first, I want to pray specifically for the moms. So if you're sitting next to a mom today, just reach out, just grab her hand. Let's pray for the moms this morning. Father, we just thank you for each and every mom represented in this place today or even those watching online. God, we thank you for them. God, I pray that today their hearts would be so encouraged and strengthened. God, I pray that they would know that they are not insignificant. They are so very significant to you. They are extraordinary to you, God. And what they're doing is extraordinary. And God, I pray that you would encourage their hearts today. And Father, I pray for those who have been living under a weight and a, a burden of striving after perfection, of carrying everything all on their own, or those who've been living under weights of fear and worry for their kids, or those who've been living under a weight of guilt, wishing they'd done things differently. God, I pray right now that that weight that's been weighing upon them would be broken off of them now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that from this moment forward that they would choose to walk out from underneath that weight, that they would choose to trust you more fully than they've ever trusted you before. And as they stretch their faith, God, I pray that they would experience your freedom, your peace, your grace and ease in being a mom. And Father, I pray that as they trust you, that you would intervene and you would do the miraculous in their life, in each of their children's lives, in their families, God. Show up in a big way, God. Do the miraculous. Do above and beyond what they could ever imagine in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Father, right now, I just pray for every person in this place. God, maybe there are those who've been carrying a load, trying to do everything on their own, trying to juggle it all on their own. Maybe there are those who've become weary and felt like giving up. God, I am asking right now that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage their hearts. And God, I pray that right now, just a holy determination would rise up within them to refuse to give up, 
to trust you like they've never trusted you before. And God, I pray that you would intervene. And God, the things that they're believing you for, the things they're trusting you for, God, I pray that you would intervene and do the miraculous in their lives, God. God, I pray that each one would just leave this place today with such a confidence that you are at work, that you've got them, that you've got their families, that you are in control, that they don't have to try to do everything, but they do what they know to do. They trust you to do the rest. And God, we thank you and we praise you because we know you will do the rest. You will do the miraculous. And we thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. And while your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you're here in this place today and you would say, yeah, that's me. I'm the one who's been trying to do it all in my own strength. I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you, who created you, who has purpose for your life, who never intended for you to do life on your own. He wants to walk out every day in relationship with you here on this earth and for eternity in heaven. And we're gonna pray a simple prayer together in just a moment. But if that's you and you say, I'm tired of doing it all on my own, I wanna surrender my life to God today. That is the greatest decision you can make. And I wanna ask you to just wrap your heart around these words as we all pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my Father, that you love me, that you created me, that you have purpose for me. And so God, right now I surrender all to you. I choose to live in relationship with you. I'm not gonna do it all on my own any longer. Father, help me to live every day with you. From this day forward, my life is yours. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we welcome people into God's family today? Awesome.